Hello there. Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet Christmas Carol two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And today we have a first-time guest, a fellow Muppet nerd. We're very excited to have him here. Guest, please tell us who you are. Hey, I'm David Levy. You might know me as one of the hosts of the Muppeturgy podcast. Another Muppet podcast host. How about that? Really, what I should say is you might remember me from the time that I beat Anthony Strand and became Toughest Pig on Hubbawa. Ooh. <laughs> well, well, th- well, that's what I was going to say is it, it's funny to realize that you're a first-time guest on our show because I've been on your show and we were on Hubbawa together. Right. So so I feel like we're on podcast together all the time. You know yeah, what I mean? Tough so Pig's true. adjacent. <laughs> so I'm glad we could finally get you on here. What was the you theme too. of the episode of Hubbawa that you two were on? I've, I, I've heard it, but I don't remember. It was just the Muppet Show, right? It, yeah, what, it was it season one specifically? Mm. It might have been season one specifically. It was, yeah, yeah, it was. Yes, it was season one. So there was a lot of a lot of Cleveland Muppets talk. Yes. Oh yes, the 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 characters from the Muppet Valentine special. Yes, um, yeah. If listeners have, of whom appear in this film, that's true. Yeah, it's if, true. If listeners haven't heard that episode of Hubba they should go back and. And listen to it. Um, and today, David is with us to talk about minutes 69 and 70 of the Muppet nice. Christmas Carol. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was wondering if anybody would do that. I don't think we've had anybody do that in previous minutes 69s, but you're the first. No, I don't, I, I don't think we have, no. Uh, in these minutes, <laughs> unsavory characters sift through a dead man's belongings, and it's quiet at the Cratchit's house. So as this clip begins, Scrooge steps into the alley that the ghost of Christmas yet to come has just pointed toward. Uh, there's this sort of dim, cluttered space there. I don't know if this is like actually a house or if it's just in the alley or an abandoned lot. It's, but it's a dim, cluttered space. There are four Muppets in here. One of them appears to be a spider. Sort so of a- before... Before yeah. we get into the room, I want to talk about seconds one through ten because <laughs> we got about ten seconds of Michael Caine just walking through a tunnel. True. Here. And we've talked about this on the podcast before that this movie loves its like stretches of, of contemplative silence. It's all atmosphere. And this yeah. is another one. And it it and like you say, yeah, it's all atmosphere. But I think it's kind I mean, I've said this probably, but it's kind of amazing to me how much it really does help the movie feel like a Christmas Carol and hmm. not like, like the Muppets being silly. I don't know. I think, I think the fact that it's willing to take its time to like, let yeah. Scrooge feel things and, and us show us the emotion on his face. I especially think that this particular scene trans transition where it's getting from bad to worse, you need that moment to sort of grow that foreboding uh, yeah. because otherwise I don't think, the emotion of what we're about to see would really hit. Yeah. Yeah. You have to live with Scrooge as he's also anticipating like, Oh, what's going to be over here. Like, do I really want to see this? Yeah. That's, that's very effective. Uh, So four Muppets, one of them is the spider wearing a suit and a hat. Or Eldritch Pepe, as I like to call him. Oh, sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Multiple limbs. Old Joe, as he's actually called. His name is old Joe. Yes. It's a very cool puppet. Uh, Old Joe. He is, is a very, I agree. Yeah. Old Joe is puppeteered by David Rudman, but it's not David Rudman's voice that we're hearing here. It's not any of the Muppet performers. Uh, this is an actor doing the voice named uh, David Shaw Parker. So here's my question Should David Rudman have done the voice, do we think? Well, 
I assume that they didn't want... Well, I mean, yeah, so here's the thing. I My, my instinct is to say I assume they didn't want a funny, fake British accent for this character. Because right. he's kind of a creepy guy, and it's kind of a foreboding scene. But you also have one of these other characters performed by Steve Whitmire doing a funny, fake British accent. Right. So I want to push back on something. What makes a Muppet performer if not performing a Muppet? Well, he didn't. I would argue that David Shaw Parker. He dubbed dubbed the voice. I I would say if you were performing the voice of a Muppet, you were performing a Muppet. Uh, Would you say that someone who only does the motions but not a voice is performing a Muppet? Yeah, Muppet performance. So why would someone who's performing a voice but not performing the motions not equally be performing a Muppet? I think we mean it to mean puppeteer. That, yeah, if it. we go like, by Muppet Wiki category rules. Well, but that's a different thing. Yeah, there's well, but, that would th- be. But that's the answer to your question. <laughs> right, that's a separate category <laughs> called Muppet voice actors. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it was funny. After we watched this scene in my house, my husband says, Oh, who was the voice of old Joe? And I was like, well, it's got to be one of five guys. Like, they're always mm. the same. And I was like, nope. Because he's like, why does it sound familiar? So I went and looked. I was shocked to see there was actually not one of the same five guys. Uh, right, and right. when I tried to figure out why he sounded familiar, I could not come up with it because he has an extensive resume. Yeah. Um, but it's a, a lot of things that we either would not have encountered at all or his partner was so small that that would not make it familiar. Like, like you know, he had like a a one line role on The Crown, uh, right? But he did a right, lot of voice, video game voiceovers, and yeah, a, yeah, lot, a lot of video, video game games. voiceovers, a lot of um, British te- children's television voiceovers, but also a lot of stage work. Yeah, Muppet Wiki says he started his career with the Royal Shakespeare Company, and he worked a lot in radio. Which I, I my impression is that the radio drama is a bigger deal in the UK than it is here. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it Definitely. never really went away. Yeah, there. right. Yeah, yeah. Like you still have all those Doctor Who audio dramas coming out. Right. Well, and like, and like, for example, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was a radio play first. Oh yeah. Like yeah. the radio right. drama came out before the book, and then the TV show after that. Like, and that's true of a bunch of Neil Gaiman properties as well. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, Neverwhere. Hmm. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Um, yep. so, so yeah, David Shaw Parker, a uh, radio actor, video game actor, everything actor, and the voice of old Joe. And he's, he's great. It's a very, a very interesting and creepy voice. Um, and yeah, it, as far as I can remember, other than the ghost of Christmas present, this is the only character, the only Muppet slash puppet in the movie who's not voiced by a puppeteer, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, the ghost of Christmas past is what I think I said present, but I meant past. Yeah, right. Present is Jerry Nelson, of course. Yeah, right. right. But yeah, ghost of Christmas so, past is Jessica Fox. Yeah, right. And it's interesting, like for a character who's in literally a minute of the film, mm-hmm. minute and a half of the film, uh, that they would make that choice. And I wonder if there's a backstory there. Like he right. was a he, fan and he knew a guy or like, oh, well, yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder if David Rudman just did it on set and then they decided that it wasn't right. Let's do something darker. That like, that, oh, that, like, the, that like the mood wasn't right or something, you know, because I think, I mean, I think we can all picture what David Rudman doing this voice would sound like, and it would be British baby bear. Oh, see, I'm, I'm, and, <laughs> I'm thinking British Chicago, the lion. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Sure. The more, oh, what have you got for me? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the more growly so, voice. Yeah. 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 But, 
British Cookie uh, Monster. David Chop well, yeah. Parker has a website that lists his email address and his telephone number if you want to ask him. Oh. Oh, well, there you go. All right. Maybe, maybe we we'll should write that. to him. What's his telephone number? That's fascinating. Yeah, give him a call. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listeners, uh, don't In fact, I've got him on the line call. right now. <laughs> yeah, and here he is. <laughs> Suddenly, this we came to introduce our guest star. Yeah. It's also in the middle of the night in England. Yeah, I was just thinking yeah, right, that right. it's six hours ahead. Uh, from, like from Central Time, it's six hours ahead. For, oh, right, which Anthony and I are in Central Time. Um, yeah, so... Well, hoity-toity. <laughs> Oh yeah, I was La- just a word of explanation. Yeah, <laughs> oh, bro, the best doing? time zone. Yeah, so Old Joe is surrounded by these three other Muppets. One of them is a laundress performed by Steve Whitmire, doing, as I mentioned, a fairly silly uh, fake British accent. I would call her Decayed Taminella. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, yeah. the The design is is similar. To Those eyes are so strange on that puppet, I think. Yeah. The laundress's eyes are bizarre. Yeah. Like they're kind of fish yeah. eyes, but like, I don't know. I like her. I think it's a cool looking puppet. But. Yeah, I agree. Is she the same puppet who, the same puppet that um, Mrs., uh, what's her name in Muppet Treasure Island, Mrs. Blueridge apologizes to when she announces yes. that she's going to be serving potatoes? Yes. So and apparently yeah. in the audio commentary, Kermit describes this Muppet as a potato. So maybe she's a potato. Uh, I heard so. Somehow more anthropomorphic than the other Muppet uh, vegetables. But uh, the other two characters are Mrs. Dilber. She's performed by Louise Gold. And she's a sexy moth. Yeah, is she, she's some kind of insect, apparently. Yeah, she's got wings and she has like two sort of fluffy tendrils over her eyes right. that are not her eyebrows. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ryan, you've been watching um, various adaptations of A Christmas Carol. I have. And Mrs. Dilber is one that is very special to me for trivia reasons, which is that the actress Liz Smith, no relation to the gossip columnist Liz Smith, uh, plays Mrs. Dilber in both the George C. Scott and Patrick Stewart movies. Oh, really? Wow. F- 15 years apart. That's, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, huh? Yeah, and like she, you can see that it that she's aged, but she she looks and seems the same. Yeah, I guess I don't, know if, I don't know if it was intentional or what, but I've always really liked that. Anytime I watch either of those, yeah, that's cool. It's like she, it's like it's like she owns the role. It's like it's her signature role, right? I guess there's no reason. Like, who cares how old Mrs. Dilber is? She can be <laughs> right, exactly any age. Yeah. Uh, the third uh, of the other characters here is an Undertaker. Performed by Mike Quinn. This is another cool puppet. Um, he, he's a, a bird, apparently, with a really big beak. I would call him a bathed skexis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I think he's actually a vulture. Yeah. Yeah, probably well, he, intended to be a vulture. He reminds me of Lindbergh from the Jim Henson Owl. It's uh, not the same puppet, but it's no. like a little no. like a beady-eyed bird with a giant beak. Yeah, you know? I, that's, I think that's like, the, the thing they have in common. Yeah. The eyes are and he was similar. another one with a... A, a surprising to me performer, although maybe not to you. Mike Quinn was around, I mean, for, for decades, but he never really yeah, had I, regular characters with the Muppets, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. Is I, I hadn't really known much about him, but then once I started going down the rabbit hole with this, I thought, oh, like, he's actually a pretty fascinating guy. Yeah, um, right. He worked as an animator at Pixar for a while. and 
Yeah, but before that, he was Yenub in um, Return in, of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, right? Mm, and yeah. and in in Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Like, oh, really? That. Yeah, and he's also one of the puppeteers who worked on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Which until I read that, it hadn't occurred to me that of course there were puppeteers who worked on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right, but yeah. that's how all the props moved around. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Well, and it's and also for for like sightline purposes. That was right. Yes. He was one of, they had those like rubber models of the, the animated characters that they used for rehearsals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mike Quinn a while back started a Kickstarter for a memoir that he's working on. I know he got delayed, um, for like COVID related reasons, trying to get to some of his archives of photos and documents. But, um, as far as I know, he's still working on that memoir. So that should be really interesting when it comes out. Right. Oh, I will definitely read that. Well, and I know one thing in the, Commentary for Toy Story 2. He gets a shout out for being the lead animator in the Woody's Roundup sequences. Yes. Oh yeah. Because, because he knew because he knew how marionettes should move. Right. He's the puppet expert. You know? yeah, yeah. That's that's that really rules, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh and uh he and Louise Gold both have real British accents, unlike right. yeah, yeah. seen. So good for right. them. And yeah, I, I was we were talking about the the weird designs of all three of these. Um, actually, all four of them, uh, including Old Joe. We talked in a previous or a few previous episodes, including especially the one with our friend uh, Becca Petunia, about how there's a lot of Fraggle Rock puppets in this movie, and how they somehow just seem really compatible with this stylized kind of dingy version of London in this movie. As far as I know, all four of these Muppets were created especially for this movie, but they all look to me like they could have been on Fraggle Rock. Yeah. Like they could have been in the background, or they could have been some one-shot creature. Yeah, I, yeah Fraggle a- Rock is a big blind spot for me, so mm. I will take your word right? for it. Like, I've sure. I've seen Fraggle Rock. Like, I'm not, right, like, right. totally you know, ignorant of it. You, re- but, like, you recognize Gobo if you see him. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I recognize Red, but if you put, like, Gobo and Wembley next to each other and tell me to pick which is which, I'm not sure I could. Sure, okay, okay. What if you're just walking down the street and Moki walks past you? Would you recognize her? I would recognize her as a Fraggle. Perhaps (laughs) even as a leading Fraggle. Would I be able to name her as Moki? I don't know. Is Moki the one that got redesigned for the Well, yeah, so that's maybe not the best example. Well, no, but that actually means that 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 might ping something in my head because I have (laughs) read about Moki more recently. Oh, okay. Uh, Right. Um, no, but I was going to say that these characters all, I don't know that Michael Frith designed them necessarily, but they are very much in in the tradition of, of, of Fraggle Rock, like you say, or Uncle Deadly. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of these very like, yep, that's Michael Frith. Like, you know, when you see yeah, it. Yeah, I think kind of Undertaker especially seems Michael Frithy to me. Yeah. Just... So what I thought was really interesting is that three out of the four of them will go on to be in Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, but not Mrs. Dilber, who I think is my favorite oh. design of the four characters. And oh. I don't know why she got left out. She doesn't appear at the inn at the beginning or on the streets? Of- not according to Muppet Wiki. It is possible. I oh. cannot claim to know Muppet Treasure Island like the back of Gonzo's hand. So, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, it is possible. But um, huh. I wonder, and this is, I was saying to Ryan before we started recording that I think that it's helpful when someone comes in with like, a grand theory to test on one of these episodes. So um, I, my, my working theory is that the first two Muppet movies had no characters that were created for those movies. 
because they no no Muppet characters that were created right. for those movies yeah. because the Muppet Show was an ongoing thing and they had sort of a, a just a, an infinite number of new Muppets that they wanted to show off and they didn't need to uh, and they wrote for for that cast they didn't create opportunities yeah there might have been a few rebuilds around the time of the movie but they knew that they but could there were use characters the already anyway. right right yeah, yeah. what so right. Muppets Take Manhattan is the first one where you have uh like actual new characters created for built for that movie. But yeah. most of those, some of them end up sticking around, but most of them didn't stick around immediately. They like came back many years later. Yeah, uh, and y- this y- is y- Yolanda, right? Right. So like Yolanda and, and the rest, the rest of the rats, the bears, most notably one of them sort of gets reconfigured into Bobo. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the dogs may end up in dog city. I'm not sure. Uh, I think probably. But it's likely, right? Um, But this time we have Muppets that are created that it's, that first of all are like so specific, right? Like they're not just generic rats and bears and dogs. These are, you know, Eldritch Pepe and uh, (laughs) Potato Lady. So, (laughs) Potato Lady. So you have to wonder, like, now I looked and Muppet Treasure Island had not been announced yet. Were they already planning on a second? Victorian era film that made it worth the investment in this. I don't like, know they, what the timeline was, and I, I'm really curious know. to I learn mean, more they, about it next season. They, they came out just over three years apart, right? December 1992 and February 1996. Yeah, they didn't announce Muppet Treasure Island to the press until after Muppet Christmas Carol had already been a success. Um, yeah. So I just I just don't know, but it's possible that they're already thinking that, and that's why it was worth the investment in building these like really specific puppets that end up coming back. Yeah. yeah. But then you also wonder if Muppet Treasure Island had been uh I don't know if the right word to use here is a success or good, uh, but if it had been <laughs> either of those things, would would old Joe be a treasured member of the Muppet family of performers <laughs> these days, you know? It's interesting because, so you, I don't know how much you know about Muppets Tonight, David. I I know quite a bit about Muppets Tonight. Okay, so you know that it, you know that it, unlike the original Muppet Show, it had like recurring segments for the UK spots. Yep. And one of them was Clueless Morgan and Polly Lobster running a bar with like a first person POV customer. <laughs> so that name? feels, uh, Mister Callahan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as named after an old Jackie Gleason, Jackie Gleason show sketch with <laughs> the same not? premise, like in the same same patron name. Uh, Wait, anyway, is that my... the character that New Zealand is based on from the Jackie Gleason show? Is it? Is that right? I don't know. I think it is. I think uh, New Zealand is based on an old vaudevillian whose name I am blanking on at the moment because I was not prepared to talk about New Zealand today. Uh, <laughs> you should always be prepared to talk this, about New Zealand. Part, yeah, and I believe that 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 actor and that character was the drunk guy on the Jackie Gleason show. Huh. Okay, yeah, Frankie Frankie Fontaine is who That's him, yes. <laughs> and uh yeah, that would make sense, yeah. Huh. Neat. Wow. You learn something new every day. Yeah, and then he even says on the on the Frankie Fontaine Muppet Wiki page, the Mr. Callahan UK skits on Muppets Tonight were based on the Jackie Gleason Joe the Bartender skits, where Joe Gleason would greet and address the unseen customer Mr. Dunahy while Joe and Fontaine's crazy Guggenheim bantered and would conclude with Fontaine singing in his normal voice. Clueless Morgan served as crazy Guggenheim's counterpart. So he was uh, the sidekick in those sketches, uh, and the patron yes. was unseen. Um, anyways, 
the the, the clueless Morgan Polly Lobster version is the only attempt to like take the new characters from either of these movies and like integrate them into the oh, Muppet yeah. Show Muppet Gang as an ongoing concern. Yeah. Well, you know? until from these Muppet two movies, Haunted Mansion. Oh, Muppet Haunted Mansion. Who's in the, Who's in that? Dead Remind Tom. Me. Oh yeah, Dead Tom. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but he, that it's, it's like called Mummy now or something, right? Right. They, like, yeah. Well, rename it. Yeah. But but we also do see. Uh, hmm. It's in, it's old it's real old Tom and dead Tom are the two. Right, but don't we also see a, a painting of young Tom in Muppet Most Wanted? I believe we do. Oh yeah, we oh, do. Wow. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> the other episode of Hubba where I was crowned toughest pig was about Muppets Most Wanted. So I learned a <laughs> lot about that movie in a short amount of time. Sure. Huh. Awesome. Wait, that's in like one of the museums that Constantine yeah. robs. Oh yep. wow. Yeah. The Irish one, I think. Okay. God, imagine if I put this brain space to use for something like solving world hunger i yeah yeah i, know. I, I think just, about it all you the just time. can't worry about it too much just just accept it <laughs> um uh right so old joe welcomes all of these characters back from the house of sadness he that's he says that sarcastically uh because they're not actually sad about what's happened they're not even a little bit sad right uh he asks them all what they got for him to remember the deceased person by uh, presumably, this is the same deceased person that the t- the the pigs with the umbrellas were just talking about. Who uh, could it be? Who could it be? Yeah, we don't know. Uh, old Joe tickles the laundress. She seems delighted by this. And then he tries to tickle Mrs. Dilbert, but she is not having it. So uh, that leads to the question, who do you ship? Are you a Jodris <laughs> shipper? Or a Jolbert well, <laughs> shipper? <laughs> What I was about I to say is that because she's so into it, like, yeah, right, right, she's, and she's there for it. On the DVD commentary, Brian Henson says that they came up with this dynamic on the day of shooting. They decided that Old Joe and Mrs. Dilber used to have a thing, like they used they used to be an item, uh, but that's over now. And now he's flirting with the laundress. So that's. I find this very confusing because, as I'm sure Anthony will tell us later in the episode, uh, their roles are frequently reversed in different versions of a Christmas Carol, uh, Laundress and Mrs. Dilber. So mm-hmm. how they, can we and they, really And they know? are here. Like they're, they're opposite from the book here. Right. Right. Mrs. So Dilber is explicitly the laundress in the book. So how is old Joe supposed to keep them straight? Oh, right. that's interesting. <laughs> he doesn't know which is which. He's like, wait a minute. Last week I was watching the Mr. Magoo version and your roles were reversed. <laughs> would, would you enjoy this scene more if these guys like, slunk across the floor in unison like yeah man I, I actually have that in my notes for today that there's a musical number here in mr magoo's christmas carol and it was probably my favorite part of that special just That's so good yeah these these characters just break out into a song about how bad and sleazy they are and it's <laughs> love so it. cool yeah uh, so the undertaker got some collar buttons that's not so impressive the laundress got uh, the dead person's bed curtains. So these are the same bed curtains that we talked about way back in episode 16 of this season of the podcast. They're back. It's the bed curtains. <laughs> Wait a minute. W- weren't the Undertaker's buttons Mother of Pearl? That is pretty impressive. I mean, old Those Joe doesn't were- seem that impressed by them. They seem the most valuable to me. I don't know. Like Maybe you-, you have a better eye for uh, for for valuables. I mean, you I mean- could take them... You could take them to make inlays for a guitar, I guess. <laughs> I just assume that, like, at a, if you were going to pawn them, 
they're probably worth more. Probably worth more if than you, bed curtains, yeah. Right, but if you need to like keep yourself warm in the cold chill of Victorian England, they're probably the least useful of the three. Oh, yeah, they're more of a luxury item, yeah. Not not so uh, essential to daily life. Right. Uh, the laundress remarks that the curtains are very fine damask. And, of course, I already knew what that was. But for those of you who are not as worldly as me, you might want to know that uh, Merriam-Webster defines damask as a firm, lustrous fabric as of linen, cotton, silk, or rayon made of flat patterns in a satin weave on a plain woven plain woven ground on jacquard looms. And of course, of course, I know what a jacquard loom is, but for those of you who aren't as worldly as me, <laughs> you might want to know that Merriam-Webster defines jacquard loom as a loom designed to weave fabrics of intricate designs whose control mechanism makes use of cards with holes punched in them. So that sounds pretty cool. So what I'm hearing is that you found the white pleated skirt alluring, but you were taken aback by the flutter of godets. <laughs> yes. But that's so that's what those words mean. Those are your vocabulary words. Um, uh, Joe, though, old Joe says it's actually very cheap damask. And then Mrs. Dilber says she has something much more interesting the dead guy's blankets, and they're still warm. That uh, is the creepiest line in the whole movie. Yeah, that is morbid. Uh, and it's then the only warmth he ever had. He, yeah, right. So Mrs. Dilber says, uh, it's the only warmth he ever has, and then they all laugh. So whoever Just like the pigs in the last scene, right? Exactly. Whoever this they person is who died, he was not popular. Can I can I open up the old curiosity shop on this scene before we move on? Yes, please open the old Cause, curiosity shop because because this one is really fascinating because the scene is essentially like the spirit of it is exactly the same. Hmm. None of this dialogue is from the book. None. Huh. Of it. Wow. So like the I, I wrote down. I should have died years ago. The old skin flint collar buttons from his dresser. All of that. Like Jerry Jewell invented all of that. <laughs> the The bed curtains and blankets are both mentioned, but like the dialogue is different. Um, So here's from the book. His blankets asked Joe, whose else's do you think? Replied the woman. He isn't likely to take cold without him. I dare say. I hope he didn't die of anything catching a eh? said old Joe stopping in his work and looking up. Hmm. So that's not so far off from like, it's the only warmth he ever had. Yeah. But it's instead it's old Joe being like, are you going to catch something from this old creep? by stealing his blankets? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's you know? still a joke at his expense. Um, but, but yeah, I was kind of amazed. None, none of the dialogue is from the book wow. here at, at all. Yeah. And uh, I shouldn't a lot be of it... amazed anymore at this point, but I still am every single time. Right. Uh, um, is there anything about the description of old Joe in the book that would uh, lend itself it, to designing this character to be a spider? He is described as a rascal. I rem- let me let me look it up. Here, I mean, I imagine that just as someone who is grabbing at lots of goods, it makes sense right. to give him multiple hands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Uh, sitting in among the wares he dealt in by a charcoal stove made of old bricks was a gray-haired rascal nearly 70 years of age hmm. who had screened himself from the cold air without by a frowsy curtaining of miscellaneous tatters hung upon a line and smoked his pipe in all the luxury of calm retirement. Okay. So that's the o- that's the only description of the character. Yeah. Anyway. Huh. But they yeah. read that and they were like, this guy's going to be a spider. Right. But then the other thing is... In the annotated Christmas Carol, Michael Patrick Hearn 
notes that this might seem like an odd uh, thing to be happening on Christmas Day. Mm. But he says the poor often visited rag and bottle shops at holiday time to sell all sorts of odd items to pay for their roast beefs and plum pudding. Oh, yeah. They need- so, so it does make sense. But also, like, it had never occurred to me that it would be an unusual thing to be happening on Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> you I know what I mean? It's easy to forget that this these events must be happening on a Christmas Day in the future. Right. Yeah. Because right. they're not... Yeah, neither this nor the pigs conversation is explicitly tied to, oh, it's Christmas today. Right. Um, there it is, is interesting, also, though, that it means that Scrooge presumably died on Christmas or on Christmas yeah, Eve. Like, right, or like on Christmas Eve, yeah, right. so. yeah. Which makes sense. He he met his fiance on Christmas. He got his, He got dumped on Christmas. Yeah. Huh. You know, his sister came to pick him up at school on Christmas. Everything. That's awfully it's all convenient. happening. I don't it buy really it. Is. It really is. That hack. <laughs> yeah. If there had been if some some significant event in his life that happened on another day, they would have been like, okay, I'm I'm just gonna take a break. I'm gonna bring in the ghost of uh April eleventh. He's gonna show you this other thing that happened. Right. We'd have to go from there. Can you imagine like how complicated it would be if every day of the calendar year had to have its own three sets of ghosts? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they're they're out there. Yeah. Maybe that's why Clifford isn't in this movie. He's actually, you know, playing the ghost of August 27th. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why Clifford isn't in this movie. Is a, is a very amusing statement. Well, I, that's so the only I, mean, reason. I, don't is, I don't know if this is too much of a tangent, but I actually think that 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 it does bear some investigating as to why Clifford is not in this movie. Clifford was the up-and-coming Muppet at the time of Jim Henson's well, death. Yeah. But, well, Ke- Kevin Clash didn't work on the movie, so he wouldn't have had lines. Well, he didn't work on the movie, but perhaps if Clifford had a role, he would have. Well, right, right. But I mean, like, <laughs> but also none of those guys, none of the, I mean, Digit's not in it. Like, what was yeah, Clifford but, in after the Jim Henson hour? Just, just Muppets of Walt Disney World. And? Know? Then Muppets Tonight and Muppets from Space. That's like, he's not... This, a, that's after this, though. That's what Well, I mean. you just said, but, but that's my point, is like, but Clifford also, like, Clifford was on the Arsenio Hall show with... Right. Oh, there there seems to have been an effort to make Clifford and Bean, yeah. uh, like, the next additions to the Muppet gang. Yeah. Right. I do and kind Bean's of wonder there. why... I mean, I guess they shot this in England, and maybe Kevin was busy with Sesame Street or something. I, that, you that's know, possible. That, that's this was right around the, the the big blooming of Elmo Mania, right? Yeah. Right, right. Although, although Treasure Island's closer, and he's all over that. That's you know, he's true. Lobster. Hmm. I, and yeah, he, and maybe he performed... Just perform piggy for most of that yeah. maybe just an availability thing i actually i don't remember what outlet it was there was some some entertainment news website a few years ago that um that emailed me and asked if i wanted to talk about uh up at christmas carol for I, I don't know if it was an anniversary or if it was just like a holiday seasonal piece and um, in I, in that article, I am quoted as saying like, "Oh, all the usual Muppet guys worked on it," and I said that Kevin Clash worked on this. <gasps> and then when that oh, no. when, when that article was published, I I looked back and went, "Wait a minute, no, Kevin Clash didn't work on this." Ah, I'm spreading misinformation. Yeah. Well, but but you're right though. Like he's he's all over the other two. Y- yeah, right you would think that he did. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and and also he was just part of the the core group. So. Yeah. yeah, and like, like is Bean, Bun- Bean Bunny is in this. Who was it? Bean is in it. Yeah, right. So, it yeah. would have been so easy for Clifford just to like be there with the mayhem. That's true. Yeah, he. Did. Right, but then right. again, like Lips isn't there either. You know, 
No, Lips is in some of the shots, but not all of them. Oh, we, really? We discovered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> someone someone we corrected us on that. Did later hear from yeah? After we talked about Lips not being there. <laughs> yeah, Lips is there. Just and most people don't care enough to notice him. <laughs> and that's why we love our listeners. They tell us when Lips is on screen. It's true. Yes, we do love our listeners. Um, also, uh, Clifford at this time was still wearing sunglasses all the time, and sunglasses. Oh, I don't think that actually been probably. Invented. Yeah, that's probably the best reason for him to not be there. Yeah. I don't know. There, there I was wondering if it was because they felt like his but... hair looked too much like dreadlocks and that wouldn't have fit in, but I think the sunglasses thing is probably makes I, more sense. I have no idea. But yeah, yeah any other theories, I mean, listeners, I mean, let us know. I mean, really, the question is why is Clifford the host of Muppets tonight? <laughs> like, really, that's the question. You know? Yeah. Because I always thought it was a weird fit. Like he's such a he's such a laid back dude on the Jim Henson hour. Oh, yeah. It's and a, then he becomes all a totally he does on Muppets tonight. All he does is is act stressed out and freak out about it. He's just panicking, yeah. Like it's it seems it feels like a new character, right? Well, sure, but you know, Kermit in Muppet Christmas Carol feels like a new character if you've only ever watched the Muppet Show. So like Muppets gotcha. grow and change over time. Yeah, yeah. But this is not a Muppet Tonight podcast. However, when you do have a Muppet Tonight podcast, please invite me on. We sure sure will. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure we'll get there eventually. I, I'm sure I've told this story before, but you may not know. The very first website I ever built when I was still in high school uh, on Prodigy.com was a website called I Dig Johnny Fiamma and His Associate Sal, perhaps the first <laughs> Muppets Tonight fan Wait, website. That sounds familiar. Would that <laughs> have been linked? Uh, was that ever linked on Muppet Central? Or it is it is possible. I mean, who remembers? That was so long ago. But <laughs> Bill Beretta knew about it, was very kind, and sent me like publicity photos of Johnny and Sal so I could scan them and put them on the website. Oh, that's really cool. And this well, was like, like, you know, before Google, I think before Yahoo. Yeah, even. So, right. like, I didn't know anything. I was just like a kid. So like, I tried right. to put information up there, but I didn't have literally didn't any sources for information any. except for like asking my parents. Yeah. So like, they would perform a song and they'd be like, hey, mom, dad, who wrote this song? And they'd be like, I don't know. And like, so like, I would, they'd give me a guest and I would put the guests up and like. <laughs> so you wanted to do Muppeturgy even back then. You, what you need, what you needed was Christy there to tell it's you who true. wrote the songs. What I needed was Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That's what we were all waiting um, for. We, by the way, I'm sure that Bill Beretta was delighted because we should note that to this day, his Twitter is at Jay Fiamma. So mm. clearly, clearly Johnny Fiamma is very special to him. Yeah. So is the I dig Johnny Fiamma and Sal website still on the internet or is there? I don't think so. Would we have to I don't even archive. I don't even know if you could find it on archive.org because again, oh. it was a, it was a website hosted by prodigy. Okay. Uh, so for those of you who are not old enough to remember prodigy, that was like a dial up service, sort of like AOL. Uh, and when, when the web first started, being a thing that like regular people knew about, mm-hmm. they offered users a chance to build their own websites, but it would have been like prodigy.com slash PCSW 21 right, yeah, slash whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was like when everybody had a geo cities website. Yeah. But like even yeah. before that. So uh, I'm not even sure that I could find it mm. if I needed to. So it might be lost. Right, to history. Possible. That yeah. get one of those lost Sadly. media blogs on it. Yeah, yeah, they'll find <laughs> right, it. <right. laughs> uh, okay. Meanwhile, in the movie, Scrooge turns to the ghost of Christmas yet to come. He says, "I understand, spirit. The case of this unhappy man might be my own." 
might be. It might be. It might be. Either he's not quite there yet, or he's just not ready to be there yet. Um, yeah. And 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 that is straight out of the book. You know uh, that. I mean, it's another adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Okay. Uh, he asks to see some tenderness, and the ghost transports him somewhere else. This time, the ghost does not use a high-tech, expensive digital screen warping effect. Uh, there's just, like, the camera sweeps across the ghost pointing, and then it keeps going, and the screen is black, and then it keeps going, and we see uh, Bob Cratchit's house. So uh, I like to think that they just walked around the block. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess so. Same day. Right. Presumably. Do we think, man, well, we can get into that next week, I guess. Mm. The idea that Scrooge and Tiny Tim in this reality died on the same day is... Oh, well, do we think it's the same year? It it could be a different year, right. That's what I I mean. Oh, interesting. Uh, Well, you'll have to talk about that without me, because I'm I'm trying to remember if in in that segment, if they make reference to Scrooge being dead, slash how long he's been gone. Yeah, I don't think think they do. We'll see next week, I guess. I don't believe so. So uh, one thing I will say about where this cuts off, which is... a shot of Scrooge standing in front of the Cratchit's door is that it is so evident here the way that the sets are built to sort of split the difference between human sight, uh, human size, and Muppet size. Yep. And even, and it's weird because you look at it, he spends so much time standing in front of this door, and you just look at it and you're like, how are you going to fit through that door? You're going to have to like hunch down. He would have to duck. And, yeah. Right. And like, will you be able to stand up on the other side? I don't know. <laughs> And what's weird is that, like, later on in the film, when he will return to this home at the finale, you don't get that sense at all. And I don't know if that's just because there are Muppets in the frame with him, and so that helps sort of rejigger your sense of perspective, or if it's that the camera angle is different, or what. Yeah, Keep that in mind when you get there. We will, yes. We sure will. It's movie magic. Um, And yeah, there is this... uh, So, Scrooge recognizes the house immediately. He says, oh, it's Bob Cratchit's house. Yes, a place of joy and laughter. And then there's a shot where Scrooge is just crossing the street to go over to the house. And this I love because you can really see, you can see down the block and you really can tell how angular and tilted and stylized and warped all these houses are, which we've noted, especially in the finale of uh, It Feels Like Christmas, you can can really tell as well. But yeah, I just And what he calls... When he calls it a place of joy and laughter, that that's a callback to the lyrics from the song, right? Yeah, like, probably. I guess like, so, is, yeah. is that how? Uh, and it feels like Christmas. And it's a day of something, something joy and laughter. The songs, yeah, well, the songs in this film, although I will now admit that I like them, are not as memorable to me as the songs in pretty much. Well, any but it's but it's not. It's not. It feels like Christmas. It's bless us all. Oh, is it? Fills me up with laughter, fills me up with song. I look into the eyes of love and know that I belong. No, that's, that's not what I'm thinking of, though. Oh, hold on. Muppet, <laughs> Christmas, Carol, Joy, and Laughter. <laughs> so it's in their marketing copy, <laughs> which makes it really hard to Google. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Anyways, yeah. But I mean, it's definitely like last time we were at the Cratchit's house, they definitely were like talking about. Both of those things. Yeah, right? everybody like was right. was enjoying each other's company, right? And f- and for that reason, Scrooge thanks the ghost for bringing him there. But then he realizes it's so quiet. Why is it so quiet, spirit? And the spirit, uh, who is still not one uh, for words much, just points yet again. Much. 
And then he, uh, we cut back to Scrooge, but we don't actually see what the ghost is pointing to. So we'll have to wait until next week to find out what could he be pointing at. Is it an elephant? Is it, uh, is it a phone booth? Is it a giant popsicle? We don't know. It is a phone booth. It is a phone booth? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Well, I'm glad we have that settled. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. Scrooge is going to make a call. Uh, that's all I have. He's gonna, no, he's going to change into Superman. Oh, great. Well, hey, he's at Shepperton yeah. Studios. It's right place, the place Shep- to change into Superman. He's at Shepperton Studios. He's Batman's butler already, so that's not that far uh, off. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have specifically on these two minutes. Any other thoughts on these two minutes, starting with David? Um, no, but I was happy that they were very self-contained. Which is not always yeah. the case in, in this show. Yeah, you got the whole little it's episode true. of Old Joe and the the scavengers. And, and it's an expensive two minutes, given how many characters were built just for, for mm. these two minutes. Yeah. True. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't uh, cheap to, to build Old Joe with his all his arms. He has eight. I can count them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anthony, any thoughts on these two minutes? So I have one more uh, old curiosity shop. Oh, good. Which is in the book after they see old Joe, after they go to the rag and bottle shop and before they go to the Cratchit's house, the spirit takes Scrooge to another location, which is the house of a couple who were in, because Scrooge says like, show me some joy associated with this man or whatever. Mm. And he takes them to the house and the wife is waiting for her husband to come home worriedly. And he comes home and he tells her the news that he, the person they're in debt to, has died. And he doesn't know who's going to pick up the debt, but they'll have time to save up and pay for it before they have to pay for it. Ah, so they're happy. And their house won't be, won't be taken away. Yeah. 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 So it's like, and that's when Scrooge says, show me some tenderness connected to a debt. Mm. That's, when they go to the that's in one of the adaptations, isn't it? I feel like I have seen that in my travels. It's definitely in the out. It's in the Alistair Sim movie, for sure. Uh, I know that. Okay. I didn't actually finish watching that one, but maybe I got that far. Okay, because all those little episodes are... I'm mean, Not all, but yeah. like that one goes out of its way to include a lot more of that kind of stuff. Right, you know? right. Hmm. Do I take it, since you did not give us any Rich Little casting, that Rich Little did not include this scene in his adaptation? Oh, you know, not that I have... Uh, I, I didn't have any of these uh, characters on my list, Um I'm gonna have to go back and see if I missed any uh, any of these cartoon versions or Rich Little. Because uh, like I I grew yeah. up with with Mickey's Christmas Carol and that is so cut down that I'm pretty sure that this did not. It's make not the in there. Yeah. No, yeah. there are two weasel grave diggers who are talking about how how oh, hilarious yeah. it is that this guy is dead. But other than that, yeah, they I don't think they included the rest of yeah. the stuff. So so who do we think Rich Little would have cast as Old Joe? <sighs> I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who he didn't do in the right. what what year was was that it was like oh it was 19, no 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 it was in the sixties the first time he did it when he did no, it as a record but, uh, this you don't know maybe the story? It's a, maybe it's a record no I, he did it I as don't. a record and they had to pull it because it included John F Kennedy and Kennedy got shot between when the record was pressed and when it was supposed to be released it was like a whole scandal oh, really yeah so huh. that's like the, that's the Von Meter the Von Meter situation yeah. A yeah. guy who based his entire you, comedy career uh, of doing a, an impression of John F. Kennedy. Oh, his 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 big hit record was called First Family. Yeah. Oh, I had that. And then record. Kennedy died. 
Yeah, and then his career was over. I mean, he died in like 2010 or something. Oh like, wow, like, you know, career never really recovered. Yeah. You know, because that was his whole act. Yeah, you know. But oh, Rich so Little he... was putting out albums when Kennedy was alive. Yeah, yeah. Rich Little. I mean, he was around. Yeah, he was yeah. on. He was yes, so, doing but... the variety shows but, back then. But also, this this Christmas Carol was like his going to be his big breakthrough. Like he'd done it on Carson, I think. Oh. And so, like people sure. knew his shtick specifically related to the story so the album like would have been his big breakthrough if he had been able to fully release it so he had just been waiting all those years to to do a like a an expanded version version, of his his christmas carol yeah because yeah because it wasn't until 78 so yeah okay um yeah i don't know i have no idea who would play old joe i feel like maybe george burns yeah i was trying to remember if, if, if he had already done george burns and one of the other characters that we've talked about but I do not care enough to go back into my spreadsheet and find out. It's interesting. Uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol also started as a record before it was an animated short. So, huh. uh, yeah, I have that record. Actually. Yeah, one of the one of the characters is different in that. One of the three ghosts, right? Yes. Um, oh, it's it's this one. A lot of it is. Um, it's, it's not Pete. It it's has like the old uh, what's her name? The the witch, the the old hag from Snow White. Oh, right. Yeah, the evil queen. But. Um, it also just has like a bunch of songs that aren't in the special. Oh, stuff. right. Like Scrooge, Scrooge has like a song about how much he loves money. Uh, it's so stuff. funny to hear yeah. you call it a special because I saw it as a theatrical feature. You saw it in the well, theater. right. Sure. Yeah, right, a... right. Well, and actually last year, uh, as you, you may have seen, I don't remember. Uh, I counted down my top 50 favorite Christmas specials yep. on Facebook, Christmas before last. And I thought about including it and I was like, I can't. It doesn't fall no, so no. If I remember right, that was movies, released with the Rescuers it. Down Under. Is that? No, that's uh, that's Prince and the Popper. Oh, so what? That's what nice. Was it this is eighty-three. To? Was this with a re-release of something? It's possible. I think so. Uh, let's see. Let's look it up. We we got, we all got the internet. Mickey's Christmas Carol was released with uh, blah, 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 the reissue of the Rescuers. Huh. Oh, so I was close. Yeah, yeah. Right so it was the rescuers, because the right I saw rescuers down under with Prince and the Popper. I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember feeling like that was a double feature when I was oh, that's, five and a half. Yeah, yeah. It was very exciting. Yeah, it was just like oh, two movies, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> too bad about what the movies were. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm young enough that I'm generally fond of rescuers down under. I don't I, honestly. I'm not sure that I've seen rescuers down down under a second time. So it's that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. I don't know that I ever have. Maybe sure. when it was new I, on we, VHS. We just watched it. We just watched all 61 Disney movies, you know, in reverse order. And where did it rank? Uh, rescuers, rescuers down. Uh, I mean, middle and it's like 38 or something. Probably. Oh, I have to say, like your rankings are so different from what mine would be that I don't know that your ranking that, of rescuers down under that is makes sense. To me. I'm not. I'm not surprised to hear that at yeah. all. And um, listeners can find your uh, rankings on Letterboxd. On Letterboxd. Where you are that's Zeppo right. Marx. Follow me on Letterboxd. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's a lot better than the first one, which I think is like the mm. dullest movie ever made. I think The Rescuers is such a boring movie. <laughs> listeners, at me if you want. I don't care. I'll, talk, I'll argue about that. It's, it's just like bleak and sad and ugly. I used to get nightmares from the, the song. Sure. The second one at least has John Candy being kind of funny, you know, like, I like Evan Jim Rude. Jordan from Ra- Jim Jim Jordan from Fim McGee and Molly the Radio Show, not Jim Jordan the U.S. representative, uh, <laughs> is is not funny at all in the Rescuers. Oh, you're gonna get hate mail from all those Fim McGee and Molly fans out there. 
Um, and I love, I love Finn McGee and Molly. I, I listen to it regularly. My it's instinct still. is to say, but oh, he's pretty funny, he's but I, funny I can't think of any examples or anything to back that up. So he calls he calls uh, them Bud sometimes. That's it. That's yeah. his, that's the joke. The joke is that he says the word Bud in a folksy way. I like Evan Rude, the dragonfly who acts like a a motorboat motor and pushes them around <laughs> on a leaf sure. in the water. That's that's anyways, the best part anyways. of the rescuers. Uh, yeah, was that? I, I probably do. Probably. That was all the the two minutes uh, thoughts from you, Anthony. Yeah, I'm done. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to go through this quickly. I have a few things from the old listener comment bag. When we talked about the lyrics of "It feels like Christmas," we noted that the line that goes "A part of childhood you'll always remember." Um, the, it has the word childhood in it, and it sounds like three syllables because child sounds like two syllables, even though child is presumably supposed to be a one-syllable word. We had a whole discussion about it. Um, I think Joe Hennis was our guest on that episode. Um, listener R.A.N. Lee had this to say, the I in child is a diphthong, the sounds A and E, and in the International Phonetic, phonetic Alphabet, it's represented by a specific glyph. The word wide is only one syllable, but you can hear how the long I is two sounds, but in a southern accent, it's mostly the first sound. She also said, the L in child also influences the vowel. It's why chide and child sound different. So, there you go. A linguistics lesson. Thanks for All that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when we talked about the Cratchit family's Christmas goose, our friend Eric and, and uh, previous podcast guest had this to say. In the book, the Cratchits don't cook a goose in their home. They were much too poor to have such a large fireplace. Instead, they probably belong to a goose club. So I had never heard of this before, but he says that it's a real thing. Uh, he says how goose clubs worked was every week they would pay a small amount, and on Christmas they would get not only a goose, but a reserved spot in the local baker's oven to cook it. The two young Cratchits say they smelled the goose. This is from the book. They smelled the goose from outside the baker's, and later they and Peter go to fetch it. And he went on to say, uh, this brings up an issue. Scrooge buys them a turkey. So now they have both a goose and a turkey, but only one spot in the baker's oven. So that goose they spent all year paying for must go to waste. How unthinking of Scrooge. <laughs> yeah. What a jerk. Even when he's a good guy, Scrooge is a jerk. It did occur to me that like showing up midday on Christmas with a giant uncooked turkey <laughs> does nobody any good. No, they already have plans. No, They're already in the middle of their... And you know how long it takes to cook a turkey? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's twice as big as Bean Bunny. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, that's that's you know he, he's just so excited. He's we not know, thinking. We, we, we all know that turkeys take three hours for every Bean Bunny weight. <laughs> <laughs> that's the rule of thumb. Yeah. Uh, and then a listener with the name Mega Elise on Twitter sent us an article from a website called Brightwall Dark Room from 2019. It's called A Grand Yuletide Theory. The Muppet Christmas Carol is the best adaptation of A Christmas Carol. It's written by Ethan Warren. He covers a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, but there's um, there's some good insight and, and uh, he comes to some of the same conclusions that we do about uh, the movie capturing the spirit of the book without always being the most strictly faithful to the text, even though people like to say that it's the most faithful and even though it has like penguins and rats and stuff in it. So I will link to that article in the show notes. 
Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised by that one. I really enjoyed the article. Yeah, Red yeah. Rock is too. a great great site. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a great article about Muppets, uh, Great Muppet Caper, a couple weeks ago. Oh, maybe a couple months ago at this point, uh, which uh, talked about it sort of within, like situated it within the genre of romantic comedy musicals. Oh, uh, cool! I got to check that out. I yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, that sounds great. David, as you may know, we like to ask our guests uh, the same three questions at the end of every episode, starting with, do you remember the first time you saw this movie and what is your history with it? Uh, I think I do. I definitely saw it in theaters. Um, what we said came out in 1990? 92. 92. So I would have been uh, 14 years old. And I believe I saw it. My The town where I grew up, Stoughton, Massachusetts, had a one-screen cinema in the center of town. And I I believe that's where I saw it. At that point, I probably would have gone with my friends instead of my family uh, because I would have been a freshman in high school. Oh, yeah, you were way too cool. Yeah. Um, And I remember being absolutely disappointed by it. Oh. Um, And uh, it over time, my feelings about this film have evolved. And I think that's for a couple of different reasons. Um, one, because I have grown up and what I appreciate in the film has changed. Two, mm. because they have made many more, far worse Muppet films after this uh-huh. one. Uh, and some good ones, too. But, like, all, you know, also some bad ones. Um, especially if we consider some of their television straight-to-DVD films. Um, uh-huh. And uh, I think, especially over the last few years, as I've gotten deeper into... Muppet fandom and and learned a lot more about how different people relate to the characters and the properties. Uh, I have really come to appreciate the theory that movie Kermit is different from TV Kermit. Hmm. Steve Kermit is different from Jim Kermit. None of those are better or worse Kermits. They're just the Kermits for like that met the moment. Um, sure. And so, uh, you know, I think that that the Kermit of Christmas Carol is sort of not my Kermit. Like Mm -hmm. I much more relate to like the stressed out trying to do everything all at once. Can't quite keep it together, but also tries hard because it's worthwhile Kermit of the Muppet show. Um, Was also to some extent the Muppet, uh, the Kermit of the first three Muppet movies, but even then, uh, that Kermit is a nicer Kermit than Muppet Show Kermit. Right. Um, but like, I appreciate like the kind, warm, caring, soulful, like convener of the gang Kermit. That is Steve's Kermit, uh, where he doesn't need to be the one who does everything. And he doesn't need to be the one who keeps it all together. He just needs to be the one who like is sort of the rock providing support and like a good calm vibe for everyone else to sort of, vibrate around and yeah. like uh you know I, i've come to appreciate that uh, and i also appreciate that like my preferred mode for a muppet movie is a movie that tells stories about muppets but that doesn't <laughs> mean that a movie that tells a story that involves muppets isn't also a perfectly fine model for a movie uh so like i think when i first saw this i was like that's not what a muppet movie is about this is a <laughs> michael Caine movie that has okay. muppets in it but like, listen, a Michael Caine movie that has Muppets in it is a lot better than ninety percent of the movies I watch. So, right, yeah, yeah. I, right. you know, so I've come to appreciate it. 
That was a very long answer to a very short question. No, that's a good answer. No, that was good. Uh, yeah. And then where does this go in your ranking of all the Muppet movies? So Currently. I don't really believe in ranking. Let okay. me just say that outright. Um, it's just, I don't think that's a, a particularly fruitful way to interact with. Art. It's also really hard. Yeah. Um, but you know, the first three Muppet movies are sort of on a pedestal for me that is, uh, you know, separate and apart and above the rest of the movies. Sure. Um, but I would say, like, if we if we sort of did, like, if there's, like, a top 30th percentile and a bottom 30th percentile, Muppet Christmas Carol is in the middle 30th percentile. So, like, sure, um, sure. And, I, and I'm not necessarily willing to name what other movies are in the middle versus the bottom. <laughs> I mean, I will say that Muppet Treasure Island is in the bottom. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I will say that I like Muppets from Space better than most. Huh? Uh, meaning better than sure. most people, not better than most Muppet movies. Not better um, than most movies. <laughs> but yes. Here, there's Gone with the Wind, sure. There's, uh, you know, Cabaret, fine. Uh, but really, there's Muppets from Space. Muppets <laughs> <laughs> from Space. Uh, no, but, um, you know, I think... I think uh, in terms of the post Jim Henson films, it is near the top. Sure. Sometimes at the top, sometimes not at the top, but it's certainly near the top. Um, but sure. I, I, you know, but I also, I don't think it's like unsurpassable. I don't think that like, like, I don't know that there will ever be a Muppet movie to me that, that could enter that top tier with the original three. I, huh, yeah. But I do believe that new Muppet movies could be better than any of the other Muppet movies that we have. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. that would That's be reasonable. That would be great to have a new Muppet movie and and say, oh wow, this is just as good as any of these others, or better than some of these others. Um, and then the last question, which of course I should have memorized, but I'm looking on my notes to find it, is: Do you watch this every year around the holidays? I don't. Um... I this year I watched it on uh, February fifteenth <laughs> because I was preparing okay. to talk about it for a podcast. Sure. Um, no, I it is not a movie that I pull out regularly. I, last time I watched it was two or three Christmases ago because we were doing like a complete rewatch of all of the Muppet movies and we timed it sure. so that it fit there. Mm. Before that, I'm not sure I could tell you when I watched it. I don't even remember. Like, I definitely owned it on DVD. I'm not sure if I owned it on VHS when I was buying all the Muppet movies on VHS and, and all the, like, Muppets Greatest Hits things on VHS. Like, right. I just, it's not a movie that I have that kind of relationship with. Uh, also, I'm old enough that I don't remember things that I was doing in high school. So it's possible <laughs> that I did happen watched it all the time. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are those are your lost years. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, with that, then we can wrap things up for this week. Everyone, please make sure you check out toughpigs.com on the internet and every other place you can think to look for us. Uh, thanks to Morgan Davy for our logo. We have a Patreon. Uh, we have a T Public store. Uh, we're also in uh, various other places on social media individually, including uh, Anthony on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist, me on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. And David, please tell our listeners where they can find you and or your work on the internet. Uh, anywhere there is social media, I am It's DeLevy, uh, including Letterboxd and all sorts of other places. Um, and you can find me on Muppeturgy, which you can download wherever you listen to podcasts or find at Muppeturgy.com. And you should. And I, I imagine that most people who are listening to this know what Muppeturgy is, but do, do you have a, a brief description of what it is? 
Sure. We are a The Muppet Show Rewatch podcast. <laughs> uh, we go through episode by episode. We are just about to wrap up season three. And we try to break down the cultural context of each of these episodes. We get into what was happening in the news, what was on, what else was on TV, who are these guest stars, why do we care about them, what are these songs, who else sang them, yeah. uh, and really sort of do like a little research project about each episode of the Muppet Show. We also talk about, you know, what actually happens in the episode and was it fun and did we enjoy it? Right, right. It's insights and uh, it's it's uh, informative. So everyone should listen to that podcast. And, uh, yes, also, we love positive reviews online. If there's any place you can give us a positive review. Also, please tell everyone to listen to this podcast as you're, as you're selling them warm uh, blankets and stuff. Uh, tell them that, that they should listen to Moving Right Along. And join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. <laughs>